0: Bad Women is a new podcast powered by Catcall and hosted by yours truly, Brittany Brave. Catcall is a platform promoting female leadership, progress, and camaraderie through original events and content. Follow along at We Are Catcall on social media. Hello. Happy New Year. I'm sorry for the delay. Welcome to Bad Women. Uh, I know the last time that we released an episode was definitely 2020, I believe mid-November? Uh, And then I dropped off a little bit, and that is the number one rule, the cardinal rule of podcasting. Whatever you do, don't drop off. Stay consistent. Um, So I'm sorry to the podcast gods. But we're back. We're back on a schedule. We're back on track. And we actually have a really perfect episode for a new year, new month, top of January. Um, We welcome comedian Liz Mealy Liz is awesome. I have followed her comedy for a while, always been a big fan. We met in New York, did some shows together, and we kind of go through authentic goal setting, what it's like to stay the course as an artist or in whatever your chosen field is. Uh, How do you modify your own metrics, find your own process? All of these things, this entire conversation is really written with gems about like, productivity and creativity and how to make it work in this pandemic, which is far from over, and also how to stay true to yourself and your artistic voice in the process of doing all of that. Liz actually has a special out called Self Help Me. It's awesome. She also has her own podcast called Two Non-Doctors. All that info plus her socials are in the episode description. And catch her live, whether it's virtually now or in person when the world returns. She's hilarious. And I really think you guys are going to get a ton out of this conversation. I know I did. Really, I love that take to that. You're like, I'm a comedian, so I'm already pretty used to being disappointed. So this was like... Right in my comfort zone. Yeah, we're yeah.
1: always, like, we're just we're just above picking up change off the ground. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, yeah. it makes it so you're just, like, I'll figure it out. Like, I feel like because I've been doing this 18 years, and I've been full-time, mm-hmm. I think, like, nine. I don't even know anymore. Like, mm-hmm. and, like, even before that, I was part-time, so I was still, like, making half my money off. So it's just, like, I've spent so long paying my rent $25 at a time. That like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't, I'm scared, but it's just like, I've always figured it out. I'll figure it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's like sharpening the resourcefulness and the adaptability and the flexibility. Yeah. I, I agree. I think it's like, your inherent ability to be a comedian and provide a product and a service like a pandemic can't can't squash that you know or like all of these external factors can't squash that so then it's just up to you to figure out where else to place those skills you know where are where are the people where those skills would benefit yeah and if know?
1: this was happening 20 years ago it, it we would have been fucked you know what I mean in a lot of ways right maybe we would have done some outdoor stuff but But honestly, the internet and just with podcasts and Patreon and YouTube and Zoom and Instagram Live and like, there's just, there really was no, no short list of different opportunities to try to figure out or utilize or experiment with. And it really, it was just about your limitation was how willing you were to kind of screw up in front of people but everybody was screwing up in front of people I mean even offices were screwing up in front of people which is usually a very well-oiled machine because you have an office and buildings so it's like it was kind of a nice thing where everybody kind of gave gave people the benefit of the doubt and mm-hmm. were both generous with their acceptance of how weird everything was and also very financially generous and I'm still very grateful for that
0: yeah, I I had noticed that too. Yeah, and the audiences were. It, I had a couple audiences on Zoom that were more receptive and warm and friendly than than traditional yeah. comedy and and regular comedy. And I I think I've noticed now with these outdoor shows and rooftop shows and whatnot. I feel like I've noticed a change in tone with the audiences too. Like you know, I feel like all of us, you take something away, and and that creates gratitude for what it was you had before. That now there's a void of. Um, so. So obviously it still comes with its challenges and there's still asshole hecklers and, and all of these other things. But I, I feel like those first couple of weeks of like outdoor shows while we were still figuring it out, there was still this like really nice appreciative energy from, from audience members from like, yeah, we were stuck inside all this time and we didn't have humor. We didn't have an outlet. We're so grateful for that.
1: Yeah, especially because um, and maybe it's just some of it is also the paid versus unpaid because I think a lot of the outdoor mm. shows were unpaid, but I felt like. If you don't have a fan base, like how I'm received when I tour on my own, as opposed to maybe like a city spot, is like mm-hmm. you know I pay twenty five bucks. This better be good, and I don't know who the fuck mm. this girl is. This better be good. As opposed to mm. we're in the middle of a pandemic, they're like I don't know. I'm on a rooftop in Bushwick, and you know, <laughs> you know I just di- YOLO. Yeah, I'm eating yeah. popcorn. Yeah. You know that a stranger gave me, and I hope this all works out. Like it just there is a little bit of like people kind of. Understood. There was a camaraderie of we're all going through this together. And then also, in general, I think I've always had people, you have two types of people that treat artists either like, you know, if you fail, that's on you, you shouldn't have taken that risk, like that kind of almost Mm -hmm. parental like, yeah, that's why living your dream is a fucking luxury and maybe you should have thought of that. And that's why you don't have a savings and safety net yeah. a safety net that. And yeah, then the yeah, other yeah. side of it is I've had people come up to me and they're just like, you're so brave and I'm so proud of you. Like people talking to me, like they're my grandparents. So they're just like, what you've done is amazing. I'm like, are we related? Do you owe me money? Yeah. Like so <laughs> thoughtful and kind and like telling me that like what I've accomplished is, just incredible. And I should be proud of myself. And, you know, do you want this gift card? Like, it's just like so funny (laughs) that there's people that are like, you're an idiot for doing this and I'm not going to, and you get what you deserve, both good and bad. And then there's people Mm -hmm. that are like, just trying is amazing. And we're proud of you, honey. And like, and so I feel like, more people have softened to the other side of it. Even my parents and my parents were pretty supportive, but they were a little bit like, you know, get your shit together. And then I think this is like, who could have predicted? Like there's people with good jobs that lost their jobs. There's people that, that right. would have never in a million years thought they took a risk in their um and how, and, and, their future. And this has truly um sideswiped everything that they were pr- planned on doing and had prepared for. So I think, this has been the nice equalizer in people's choices. And I, I've had mm-hmm. a couple of um, friends of mine be like, because there's a lot of new comics starting, and they're like, who would fucking start in a pandemic? And I go, actually, if you lost your job, and you didn't even like it to begin with, and everything just kind of feels like shit anyway, why not do what you want to do while suffering?
0: You know what I mean? yeah it's an open door you again it's like how you said you either look at artists as like what a dumb career path or like bravo for taking a chance so you either look at this pandemic as like what was me and everything's working against me career-wise or
1: you're like oh hey this could be an open door yeah here's I would have never taken this risk before because it was such a big risk but now everything is a risk so it almost feels like less of a risk if that makes any sense
0: yeah. Like the state, the stakes are lower in, in a way. And it's almost like you can kind of start to look at it as like the universe, like uh, graciously taking you out of a job that you maybe didn't have the balls to leave otherwise. Or like, yeah, like how you said, you were already feeling stagnant and stuck and now you're just kind of capitalizing on the, well, why not yeah. now mentality. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you, you actually said something earlier that I, I really am curious about about how um, it, it, working smarter And harder at the time, but more so working smarter throughout your career as a comedian and how you've been able to, like, give yourself breaks, um, really recharge mentally, um, you know, pick and choose maybe a little bit of quality over quantity of certain types of gigs and opportunities. And I'm just curious about that. Um, we interview a lot of artists and entrepreneurs on this podcast, too. And, you know, everyone finds the groove that works for them. But I personally feel like I struggle. So I, I'm I'm curious, like what the road to working smarter and not harder looks like for well,
1: you. Honestly, I think it all is um, connected to what your goals are. So I mean, I can't speak for anybody other than myself. But I've always liked the traditional comic uh, landscape of being a national touring headliner and making Mm -hmm. albums and eventually specials and I I love stand-up and while I've written a bunch of scripts and produced a bunch of like web series and and stuff like that and you know done a bunch of side projects as well I still am a very like 1995 idea of success Um, and I've definitely (laughs) changed it because I think in some ways not changing with the times, even mentally, can be um, uh, hindering and can almost be abusive because it's Mm -hmm. clearly it's not how it used to be. But um, I've always liked the traditional path of a comic and my happiness and my career goals were set in I want to continue to build hours and, and, and put them out there and tour and what have you. So with that, you learn pretty quickly that it is grueling it is really hard to make money um especially if you don't if you don't have a fan base or uh you don't have an agent or you're not uh, you know uh t- tv recognized what have you that it is absolutely grueling exhausting financially almost un uh, unrewarding and you can make it work but i don't know if you'll have your sanity intact and so i learned pretty quickly that i was you know, if I was tired at 28, I couldn't imagine what I was going to be going forward. So, you know, I tried going the traditional route of getting like a half hour special on Comedy Central or, you know, doing late night spots or, you know, a little bit of acting, but not really, but, and then had difficulty, you know, I ebbed and flowed having agents. And, um, as of now, I just got my first, I, I had a UK agent years ago and we parted, last year, but I've never had a U.S. agent and I just got my first U.S. agent last week. So so it kind awesome. of shows you um, not everybody has as difficult of a path, but it is quite hard to get one. And um, that's where like, it's so funny to like look back and I've been talking to my roommates about it. I, I made a lot of big risks and a lot of interesting choices that most people wouldn't have made probably eight years ago and they just started to work out two years ago and and Hmm. I felt like it was an educated guess and an educated jump but also I don't know you know what I mean like it it was like it feels like there is a place for me to land if I jump but I don't know (laughs) and And yeah, and I I took a lot of big risks. So the first thing was, I, I couldn't seem to get anything traditional TV wise. So my thing is, if I had to kind of sit down with myself and go, well, what do I really want? And I wanted to make albums, I wanted to tour, I wanted to get my name out there. So what, what could I do on my own? And making an album, really, like I could have done it with a record label, but I talked to enough comics that had had actually self-released and done it with a record label. And I just kind of weighed the Mm -hmm. pros and cons and it just made more sense to do it on my own. And it, and it was the better Mm -hmm. choice. And by, so my special that came out um, a couple of months ago, that would be my third hour. So every Mm -hmm. hour I've self-released, self-promoted, self-produced and, it financially stabilized me. It built me a fan base. I took PR classes. I've probably read at least 15 books on social media. I've My first viral video was me doing the PR for my first album. But now, I mean, uh, every other video goes viral at this point. Um, And some of it that's is awesome. built off itself. And, you know, sometimes things are duds. But, like, I've had ones where I'm like, oh, that's a dud. And then a couple of months later, for whatever reason. So I've kind of just... I decided... Eight years ago, when I lost another manager, and I couldn't get a new one, I was like, well, then I'm just going to make social media my manager. If the whole point of social media is to get your name out there, then I'll just figure out how to utilize that. I'll do it myself. And so I think every setback I've ever had, or every disappointment, or things that didn't look the way I thought they would, I go, well, how do I get as close as possible on my own? And I think that philosophy helped me a lot. But then also... Mm -hmm. noticing that I was getting what I wanted and I was still exhausted or I had to work 10 times as hard because I was my, my own manager and agent. And because, you know, I didn't have as many TV credits as other people. And so it was about how do I get my name out there as much as possible? Um, but also how do I only work when I want to work? And, and, and how Mm -hmm. do I do, like you said, like a quality of work as opposed. So like what kind of sucks is I was really starting to be happy with my touring schedule. I think September, maybe even August of, um, of 2019 and I had this big 2020 tour Mm -hmm. and I was only going to (laughs) work. I was only going to headline two days a week. And I really liked Saturday, Sundays, as opposed to Friday, Saturdays, or, you know, clubs Mm -hmm. where they have you do it Thursday through Sunday. I liked just coming into a city doing, you know, doing an hour, doing it all myself. I was doing these little theaters, you know, anywhere from 60 to 150 seats, but I did everything Mm -hmm. myself. So I got all the money. And, um, I, I I was just really, and like, I, I don't have a boyfriend now, but I had a boyfriend at the time and I was like, Oh, I can spend the whole week with my boyfriend and do Friday spots in the city and, like, feel a little bit normal and almost have, like, a little bit of a baby weekend. And then Saturday morning, I'd leave, do a show. Sunday, go to a new city, do a show. Be home Monday morning. And then, it, like, instead of, like, three to five days a week being away or hopping, yeah. you know, every two days to a different place. Um, and so – yeah. You know that took a long time, and that took me building my fan base. But I was just starting to get to a place where I was doing exactly what I wanted to do at uh, the least amount of time it took.
0: <laughs> yeah, and like, and still maintaining that work-life balance. Yeah, and it's yeah, and it sounds like see, I I think you and I connect on this um, in the sense that I. I'd written down a note about the whole like, you know, the whole starving artist concept or like, you know, how much feeling secure or feeling balanced contributes to creativity. And I I think it differs for people. But I, I think I've, I've always felt like I need to generally have my shit together and or like, to your point, have some sort of balance and an interpersonal balance in order for me to actually feel like I can be creative and I can perform and be present on stage. And I know some other people, maybe that rhythm works for them, the whole like, you know, a crazy schedule, not too much of a balance, you know, not as much of a focus on interpersonal stuff, but like, you know, very scattered and all over the, just, just a different pace and and just compartmentalizing differently. But you know me me personally as a creative and maybe it's cuz my background is in corporate too that i'm like i know i thrive within structure so um i hear you when you say like it, it, it striking that balance of like oh hey i'm doing exactly what it is i want to do and i have a chance to exhale. yeah, week <laughs> yeah. To and week. i think that's really important
1: yeah. too and i think also i think it's a fallacy honestly that your life has to be in shambles for you to be creative i mean I mean, I agree. uh, Yeah, I feel both creatively stronger and career wise stronger as I've gone to therapy as I've gotten emotionally and physically healthier as I've, you know, me and my friends, and my friends are actually better at this than I am, you know, I'll be like, Hey, are you going to be out? Let's meet up after a spot. And they're like, Oh, I'm taking this weekend off. And I'm like, really? Like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. what a I'm novel I'm like, both proud of them <laughs> and angry that I'm like why didn't I think of that and I, I I'm still in scarcity yeah. mode because I've spent most of my career in scarcity mode so I still I can mm-hmm. admit that I still sometimes make yes decisions out of a place of well what if it's not there next week and I'm yeah and I'm getting and better saying, and comedy mm-hmm. doesn't really let you not feel like you're in scarcity mode but um, I have just gotten It's funny, if I'm making my own schedule, I schedule in breaks because I'm doing all the work. But if, like, you know, somebody's booking me at a comedy club in the city or if, you know, um, uh, somebody's asking me to do a show, it's so hard for me to say no because of that scarcity mode. Because it came out of nowhere as opposed to I didn't plan it, seek it, you know, take it to fruition. So.
0: Yeah. There's a guilt attached to saying, to saying no. And and since it is like an inherently hungry business, you're kind of like, Oh, is this foolish of me to turn down any external? Yeah. And it's, I think it's actually
1: less guilt and more control, which is I, mm-hmm. if I'm going to a theater is about, you know, any theater or comedy club for the most part is about, can you fill the room? Are you going to pay, you know, whatever, like if it's a, um, to rent the space or whatever, like if, if you do the money stuff, they don't care about the rest. If you are like, they're not going to make that much money off you otherwise, especially if it's like some of these theaters don't even have liquor license. So really it's about you paying for Mm. renting the space and everything after that they could give a fuck. So to me, it's like if they have an empty slot and you're going to pay the money, there's no questions. And that, that is always going to be available as opposed to somebody goes, Hey, I have this gig um, this day. Do you want to do it? And you're like, I, a part of me is like, well, if I say no, and what if they, they don't do that gig anymore or what if they find somebody better or what if they forget about me? Like, and I've had to work really hard to be like, and this is for like no money sometimes. (laughs) And I still feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. And you're still like, it's like even just spots, I sometimes feel scarcity mode and I, I work pretty much most clubs in the city. So it's, I, am you know, and that's some of it's my personality and I'm working on it. Um, (laughs) But in general, I started to feel, I even noticed, and I was talking to my girlfriends about this, like with putting in avails for shows and stuff, and I don't know how many people really understand comedy that listen to this, but like you basically, you get passed at a club, they start booking you every week or sometimes month, you put in your avails of like, when are you around? And then you get an email or text saying like, hey, can you, here are your spots for the week. And certain clubs mm-hmm. you could be like, "Hey, my schedule's changed, uh so sorry, and it there's no penal nobody penalizes you and then some clubs you're you're you literally <laughs> could not get spots ever again or for a month or you know what i mean there's there's like repercussions to have saying that saying that you are available and not being available, especially if it's not for like a really good reason and so uh, and then of course, there's also putting in your veils and then you don't get anything, which is of course normal because there's a hundred, so many, so great, many um, of us, but it's still, you know, you don't think about it that in that context. And I was telling them within maybe three weeks of the pandemic, I just felt better. Like I didn't realize how much putting in a veils really, it was draining. It, was draining. it made me feel bad about myself. It, even if I have gotten better about not doing the compare and contrast, because honestly, I've hit almost everybody on Instagram to the point where it's like three friends and mostly cat pictures. Um, I <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Now curation. it's like too much politics, yeah. and I'm gonna have to start hiding those too. Um, but I yeah, I have gotten better about not doing the compare and despair thing. But it's hard not to do that when you know these clubs didn't shut down this week. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're still functioning. Yeah, I'm not working. Yeah. So I think in some ways I'm even just learning about uh, the mental work that I have to do to just feel better because that's never going to end and, and yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I have an end point to that, but no, I, this is, um,
0: as a, as a young comic too, this is like mm-hmm. super True. helpful, like in my, like to help because I'm, I'm already, I'm two years into stand up and I'm already having thoughts yeah. I didn't have six yeah. months into stand up. Yeah. Yeah. When it was like very novel and new and I was very excited and now I'm two years in and the imposter syndrome is alive and well. Um, but yeah, it's, I think I, I, that really is an eye opener for me about the control over your creative process and the control over your workload and like inherently, yeah. Like if you're, self-producing and you're creating these opportunities for stage time and content for yourself. um, There's, there's control and comfort in that versus inherently the club system is putting your stage time in the hands of somebody else, right? It's a gatekeeper. It's somebody else who gets to decide who goes up, who, who books out schedules. And, and again, of course, there's inherently less control there because you're not the decision maker. And also there's so many of us in, in the mix. Um, But yeah, it's, it's hard to see and not operate from a scarcity standpoint as an artist. And I, I feel like that way in comedy, too, because the imposter syndrome is so heavy or because it's, it's so tough and we're constantly feeling like, or that's how I feel currently, I'm not enough or I'm not funny enough or I'm not doing enough. And I'm, I'm getting caught in the compare and despair thing. So then I think that's where, like, when somebody offers me stage time or an opportunity, I'm like, yes, because there's always that like ticker running in the back of my head, like you're actually not doing enough. <laughs> you're, you're actually and not. I think so what, it's, um, I, well, I was going
1: to say, what yep. I think is hard is that in the beginning, you shouldn't be saying no to anything. Like it, it's because. You need Mm -hmm. as much stage time as you can to get better. Every person you meet is a contact and could lead to more stage time. Um, Each opportunity makes you stronger. You get to practice your set. You get to work on new jokes. Like in the beginning, you shouldn't say no. And then I remember I could clearly tell you the first time I told myself I wasn't going to do this like gig again. It was this bar on 14th and and 6th and a friend ran it. And it was awful every time I did. It was close to my apartment too. It was like five blocks away. I think I know. Anyway, sorry.
0: I think no. If it's no. a show that's still running, or a show that often yeah. is comedy. Okay, cool. Yeah, because there's a there was one near that area that it's pretty bad and it yeah, yeah, absolutely. Every time it. Um,
1: yeah, and there's certain ones that yeah. are worth it because if you like don't care, you, you know, you can get something out of it. But there's certain clubs and there are certain rooms, and I remember I was like five years in, and I would never say no to anything. And I remember walking home, you know, for like the fifth time in the last six months and being like, mm-hmm. I always feel worse about myself when I leave this gig. And even if I bombed, I don't feel this bad. So what is, what's going on? And I was like, oh, it's because it has zero value. It's like truly, it's like eating mm-hmm. cake that you didn't even like the first bite. And now you finish finished the whole cake. So you hate yourself and you didn't even enjoy the process.
0: Mm-hmm. And you just feel weirdly obligated because the cake's in front yeah, of you. Yeah, and everybody you told you to that you
1: might never have cake again. And you're like, oh, I guess it's my last opportunity to eat cake. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. and,
0: but it's cake, right? And it's cake. And, and you're, you're like, like, you're right, it is cake. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, I I what's wrong with fucking me? bugs yeah. in this cake. I'm just going to say it. But I think in the beginning, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's really hard to deduce. Is it me? Is it the audience? Is it the room? Is it the situation? Is it the booker? You know, and so eventually, I think you start to know where your value is, what – can help you and what can't help you what and it takes a while and I I still I mean it real. it has to be really bad for me to say no for a gig it really does and and I don't Mm -hmm. have a problem with bombing anything if I know a gig is gonna be bad I bring my new shit and I just lean into the bomb like well let me just get these words out so I just feel more comfortable saying these words but Mm -hmm. yeah exactly um yeah yeah but I think truthfully, you get to a place where you have to do most of the work yourself. And there's people that get plucked around you. But I think the number of people that go from zero to a hundred or zero to winning, however you want to look at it is so small, but we get fixated on those people, whether it's because we knew them or somebody that we know knows Mm -hmm. them. Um, We did a show with them or they started when we started. And we get fixated on the idea that if they propelled forward, why aren't we propelling forward? And then you have this entire sea of a community having imposter syndrome because they think, well, if I was good enough, I would be where Joe Schmo is. But the truth is, is only a handful of people kind of get plucked. And it really, really has nothing to do with ability or or talent, you know, some people talent are talented and and that is helpful. But there's so many untalented people that just knew somebody, or they were in the right place at the right time, or they looked the right way, or they had some connection you didn't know about. The right. So connection. then it's yeah. about getting mm-hmm. over the hump of I didn't get plucked. So do I still want to do this? And if you still want to do this, well, what do you need to continue to do this? And I think that's why self producing shows. I think teaming up with people, um, some of the best parlaying and from obscurity to having um, a prominent place in the business is friends that have produced shows. I know friends that, you know, literally nobody knew who they were. Three of them produced a show and now they're the hot hit show and people are getting ready to be on TV by doing their show. And, you know, they're having drop-ins from some of the huge celebrities. And it's the thing that the LA comics make sure they Mm -hmm. do that show. And so you really can come out of the woodworks just by making, stage time for yourself so I've always and 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 honestly almost almost to pretty much everything I've accomplished is because I didn't get what I wanted and I was like well how do I figure this out on my own and I think that's going back to how we started all this I think that's what really kind of is probably the best part about being an artist during the pandemic is that if that is how you got to being successful when things were normal, then this is this is just a minor inconvenience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Self-sufficiency. Yeah. And it's like that whole, if you're and it also goes back to what we mentioned earlier about even taking the risk to be an artist on your own. Cause it is like, it is picking a career path where there isn't a clear path playbook. And I think that's where people get like caught up on the risk or they're like, I can't believe you did that. You're so brave for doing that. You know, taking that leap or whatever, because I think it is in comparison to like nurse, lawyer, teacher, whatever job you want to fill in that slot with it's, you know, schooling and testing. And I think the steps are just a little bit more clearly laid out for you. Whereas in our field, it it isn't inherently. Um, so it is just you know, in, in that sense, I guess it really isn't any different than trying to be a comedian in a pandemic yeah. or a comedian in a non-pandemic. Like we've always, like how you said, we've always been trying to figure out what the next step um, is absolutely. laid out in front of us. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, to your point too about um, the compare and despair and things like that, like, I think even more toxic than, than fixating on like why someone, someone achieved something and you didn't and trying to look at it as a deficit to you. I think it's like when, when we fixate on the people that are seemingly getting plucked or doing well or taking or whatever it is that we tell ourselves, I think like the more toxic thing is tying yourself to what it is they're achieving. And now yeah. making that your goals, if this is making any sense, like, like you might not have even wanted that before. And now you're like marrying yourself to it. Cause you have yourself convinced that oh well that yeah. is success as a stand-up comedian and then it's like you're standing oh, in your oh, own way oh my god i used to make this joke <laughs> with my that. friends
1: and i was i'm 100 percent guilty of this but i would like see a comic on the cover of golf digest and i'm like why not me and i've like never played golf i don't <laughs> like it i don't even know but it's like that's how it would be is somebody would get something that i couldn't yeah. even i didn't know it existed couldn't have cared about and i would just have a meltdown and i had to realize and that's why i kind of yeah really looking in about what's important to you. And it's like, it's funny, I learned it first with comedy. And then I had to learn it with friendship and dating, where I was like, you know, the same kind of like, you know, friends are getting married, friends have houses, friends have kids. And I was like, you don't want that stuff. I go, yeah, but I want to know that I could have like, I want the option. Yeah. 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 I've, I've had
0: that too, even, um, it, and I'm not, marriage isn't something I'm like seeking right now at all, but yeah. even just like having a partner sometimes. And I would find myself like, yeah, like what yeah, was yeah. me? Maybe I was PMSing. Who knows? Like about like why I don't have a boyfriend. And then I'm like, yeah. do you even really want one right now? In yeah, practicality. No, yeah.
1: And it took me a long time to even like, I, you know, I, most of my friends outside of comedy are married, have houses. Um, you know, many have been you know, have master's degrees and like real finances, you know what I mean? Like savings accounts, 401ks (laughs) and stuff. And like, yes, I would like to be an adult someday and I'm working towards it. But in a lot of ways, I'm happy about the sacrifices I've made both to my personal life and my career. And I have to just sometimes remind myself of that because sometimes all it takes is like, This picturesque moment they put online and you think oh I want that and then you're like Mm -hmm. I would never fucking want to live in Baltimore (laughs) like 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 I don't even know (laughs) if Brad Pitt was like you are the one but we have to live in Baltimore and be like I'm really sorry Brad um
0: yeah I can't make that work like so it's like kind of funny yeah like
1: is is the best outside facing life worth it if you can't be where you want to be and do what you want to do and be around the people you want to be and and I made all my choices based on the fact that I want to be around the people I want to be around I want to be around do the things that I want to do and I I don't regret the choices I've made but I think I think you can get easily influenced by the outside and marketing just as much as marketing is being like, you know, your lips have to be this big and you have to be this skinny and you know, your nails have to be perfect or you're a whore. Like it's just so funny that there's all this, but they do the same thing. But (laughs) Pinterest and, and advertising does the same thing about having a house and having two kids and having a husband. And you know, they they're constantly telling you that if you are above like 27 and you don't have, these things that you are not a full woman. You are not a, fuel, a full adult. You are not living your best life. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I am though. Like I've kept mm-hmm. like Yeah. Because I'm pretty happy everything yeah. <laughs> yeah. in between my yeah. legs right now. My plants are like growing new leaves. I'm like almost a parent. Um you know, you know I'm like pretty sure I'm giving life <laughs> to new oxygen right now. It's just like there's a part of me that's like, you know, I could look at myself as a 35 year old woman that has roommates or I could look at myself that I wake up every day and have awesome conversations with two of the smartest, coolest people I know that are, you know, have made their own sacrifices Mm -hmm. and money wasn't the priority. and And also, I know people because of this pandemic that had good jobs and they had an awesome, you know, two, three bedroom apartment and they were living the dreams. And then they lost the job and then they lost everything. And you can't really take much away from me because I don't really have much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or, or the things that I have, the things
0: that I value are intangible and that's, and that's, that's great. Cause then that means that my happiness and my contentment is kind of evergreen in that sense. Like it's up to me to define it and I can like, access it at any point yeah that's that's so true that's yeah it's like sometimes you're like looking at your Instagram feed and you're like do I want a fiance or like do yeah, I, yeah, do I want to just hire the photographer for those engagement yeah, yeah. photos just want and just get
1: headshot head skin and the answer is I just want a pretty picture of myself <laughs>
0: Right, right. At the end of the day, you yeah. yeah. Probably solve the despair. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel that I'm I'm approaching thirty in a couple months, and I, I I'm actually trying to work on a bit about how like my targeted <laughs> ads on Facebook are changing, and uh, <laughs> it's like it's like one month free of Tinder, and now it's like six yeah, months yeah, yeah. free of Match.com, and like yeah, and um, wedding registries, and and Crate and Barrel, and things like that. Um, and it's and I'm like I'm experiencing that with like you know people trying to act like as if thirty is so daunting and I'm like first off I feel like I've been 75 on the inside for 10 years already like never really identified with my like age at least from a social popularity contest like what it is I should have been doing at 21 or 18 or whatever I'm like second I was like it's yeah it's so interesting because like I I used to be in the corporate side and really, if you go by, like, on paper bullshit, like, I had my shit more together when I was 22, but I was in a job that I hated, and I wasn't doing any comedy, even though that's what I wanted to be doing, and then that one decision led to me, like, hanging out with bad people, living where I didn't want to live, and, like, a slew of other really depressing choices, and then now it's like, and I argue with my traditional Italian parents about this all the time, when they're like, oh, we just wish that you had this and that and that, and I'm like, yeah, I guess the 401k would be nice. But also, you know what's even nicer? Like, I wake up every day and, like, I get yeah. to work on comedy all day <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. And I feel really good about that. And I yeah. never once looked back
1: on yeah, that choice. Yeah, I think it's, it's funny because, yeah. like, I lived – one of my close friends is about 15, maybe even more years older than me. And we lived together for four years. And I was losing my goddamn mind between like 28 to like 30 31 and she she was a really important person to live with and clearly still one of my closest friends but it almost helped that like it sometimes pissed me off but sometimes she'd be like you'll feel better when you're older (laughs) like none like none of this matters and at first (laughs) sometimes it would come off condescending but sometimes Mm -hmm. she's like I'm being serious she's like none of this matters and you can't see it yet and you're just gonna be happier and I remember like Honestly, 29:30 I started to feel a little bit better and then really like 32 and on I was like living my best life. And a lot of it has to do with anxiety for me. Like I just couldn't separate my anxious mm-hmm. thoughts with reality and I just let everything mm-hmm. depict how I felt about myself and it's that thing that I'm kind of learning now that your thoughts aren't reality and and like I just wish I don't know. I wish whatever program that was could have been downloaded at like 15 and stayed there. But it it, it took me a lot longer than the average person mm-hmm. to realize that. But in general, mm-hmm. you just have so many experiences that you think are going to be life ruining and then they're not. And then it just you look at you look at something like this, like you look at this pandemic that you're like, it's over. And you're like, nah, I've had worse things happen. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And it's also like reminding yourself of what it is you've been through before. Before can be really rewarding too. Like, especially if you are feeling that doom or that existential dread, you're like, oh, I felt this before. And look, it's, everything's kind it's of funny okay. like, like, I was depressed for like out.
1: two years after a really bad breakup when I was like 25. And like, this global pandemic doesn't even come close to not leaving the house the way I did for two years. Like, there's a part, there's a part of me <laughs> that's just like, it's so depressing yeah. and people are dying. And I was like, mm, I was pretty suicidal for quite some time. Like, <laughs>
0: yeah 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 me too i had a i had a mid-20s super abusive relationship and and hell of a breakup too and it was uh yeah i look back and i'm like that was a really really dark time it's never been, it's never been quite as dark yeah for me personally and it's funny where like so i'm doing okay it was a
1: good it changed everything in my life and i've always said that breakup was like the most important thing to happen to me but it is really interesting where i hit such an emotional rock bottom and and somehow got through it mm-hmm. that like i'm like are oh, you going to take away my career okay bro like you know what i mean like like there's a part yeah you're like all right it's fine trying, like yeah. you know clearly the pandemic is horrific and but like on a person cuz you know you first you first see it on a global level of like oh my god the entire world is shutting down but eventually you know it starts to be like how am i going to be able to pay my rent how am i going to you know help my friends and family you know my trajectory, my career is squashed and it, and it starts to become inward. And I was like, nah, I'm fine.
0: <laughs> nah, I got this. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. It's like, that's where you're in, and It's, I think it differs for everybody, but that's where your, I don't know. What do you want to call it? Your emotional center of gravity is like, I don't know, like you're where your, your strength headquarters is. Um, Yeah. Cause it's like, you do have that other relationship. Like, like for me, it was, a super abusive situation where literally the only way safely out and actually wow. out was through the legal system like it was yeah it was like that um and sometimes I like one of my best friends said to me like a couple months ago and I was like pissy about a a pretty casual dating situation but was kind of in my head and in my feelings about it she she was like you, <laughs> you sent a man to jail I <laughs> like, think like put <laughs> that on your tinder but I
1: definitely think that should be like something in your phone you look at when you feel like you can't surmount anything. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I was like, yeah, you're right. She's like, and you're upset about like, yeah. not getting a text back or something. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Perspective. Um. And and remembering that like I've been through it before and I can go through it. <laughs> that is That know, has again. to be so um,
1: funny though. Like a dude yeah. doesn't text you back or he goes to, you and you're just be like, good. Cause I've sent a man to jail. And I think, I think, you know, that I, I'm not gonna take that <laughs> bullshit. Yeah,
0: yeah, it is. It is. Um, it's it's actually it's something that I like. I feel like I need to bring up early on in a new dating situation for, for two reasons. Like one, like, it's like, I just feel like I do a huge disservice to myself if, if I don't like, because it is a part of like who I am and especially like the landscape of my dating history too. It's like, listen, this is, this is, I was a different person before this and I'm a better person because of it now, but here's what happened. Um, But yeah, I think part of it is like, low-key a warning yeah like yeah. i'm not gonna put up with your
1: shit okay no, I think <laughs> like, that's, there is actually something yeah. very smart you're just like so i'm italian american i do comedy um i put somebody to jail and they're like say what you're like i also like cats like you know what i mean like you, i I think, your, I think it's your tinder bio i think i think you're really gonna have something
0: I think so, too. I think it's going to show that I have a little bit of edge. Um, yeah, I really, it, it's just, if I should just lead with, and I feel like comedy's helped me do that, too, just be absolutely more honest about what it is I am, who it is I am, and what it is I've been through, and I've definitely seen that transfer over into dating and everything else. I, I don't know if you feel that way. Like, you just kind of yeah. get to, like, you go for the jugular quicker. I don't know. Like Yeah, yeah I think like, in some it, sense this is when I was younger, yeah.
1: both with comedy and dating, it was like, I want to be accepted and I want them to like me. And now as I've like clearly grown to like, like mm-hmm. myself and I spent most of my life not liking myself, but like now I feel so confident in my comedy. I enjoy what I do. I like myself as a person that now with both being on stage and dating, it's like, what do you, what do you have to offer? What do you got? Like I'm, I, I am pretty content yeah. with my life now So you're going to add to it and that's it. Like that's your only option is add to it. If you can't add to it and I'll add to yours, I'm not going to be selfish, but like we're either going to go forward or we're going nowhere because I'm not, I'm not going to sit around and dick around. I don't do that. Like that's it's, and it's not even like this. I'm 35 and the clock is ticking. It's more like my time is valuable and I would never waste your time. So don't fucking waste mine. And, and, and in the nicest and sexiest sense, but truly, (laughs) Don't fucking waste my time. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, I I echo that a, a thousand percent. And I think it's I I feel like with a a last couple of we'll call them relationships or situationships or whatever we call them that I've been in, um, I do think it's taken some guys off guard a little bit. And I think uh, I don't care a, but also b, like I I think it comes off as standoffish, but after having been through that there is a part of me that's like what you just said like I'm like hey like my entire life was destroyed by this relationship and I built myself up from literally nothing so you better be coming with something additive and something great and if it's anything less than that then it's it's not even coming from a place of malice or hate or, or anything it's just like I just don't have the threshold for shit that I yeah. probably
1: did in my early twenties, or the maybe other people, people do. I'm it's, on the, yeah. I'm on a podcast. Yeah, no I was about to say I'm on the phone, but I'm on a podcast. <laughs> no, um, I'm on a phone podcast, which yeah. I was. Uh, I was like in <laughs> a, a weird big meeting telephone. with like a big Zoom meeting, and I, and my cat was incessant, and I had to like turn to my cat. I was just like, I'm in a meeting, like you're making me look horrific and then i had to bring her bring her into my lap to calm her down and i'm just like this is this is not acceptable this is this is not the life i was trying to set up for myself yeah you're yeah, like listen yeah. I'm but like i truly like turned around and i was like okay. you're making yeah me look bad <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> scolding yeah <laughs> that's amazing. For me, it's been I'm I've quarantined at home with my parents, and that's where I'm in Miami right now, too. I'm just like for the most part, riding out the winter down here. Um, and it's, instead of a cat, it's been them like just knocking on my door while I'm in the middle of a Zoom show or their landline deciding to go off, like right in the middle of a live podcast recording. And I'm like, why uh, I why actually do we usually even still have, have this? What's going on? Because that's what
1: started. I like, print out a sign that was like, please be quiet. I am podcasting or doing stand up. And i would keep my sign up but you know what really happens is i forget to take the sign down and then they're all tiptoeing for many hours and i'll come back from being outside and they're like dude we thought you were fucking doing some quiet comedy in your room or something oh
0: yeah sorry i forgot to take the do not disturb off <laughs> um Awesome. Um, so cool. Yeah, so what course. we've been this has been awesome, Liz. Thank you so much. Truly. Yeah. Um, so I close every episode with um our guests giving women um one piece of advice. Um it, it could be career related, it could be life related. It's like anything that you feel like you've carried throughout your life that's really resonated with you that you would want to pass along. And it's our I mean, it's super additive on top of all all of everything that you shared today, which has been incredible. Um, but yeah, if you would, one piece of advice for our, our female listeners about life, work, and everything in between. I think what helps me on like um, a daily, I easily get
1: overwhelmed. Like I, it takes almost nothing. And even with this pandemic, mm-hmm. I was very overwhelmed because I had to learn a lot of new technology. And I'm like, I'm truly like a 75-year-old woman. I'm just like, I'm just so bad. At, and, and what I, what I learned too. about myself mm-hmm. during this time is I learn. The bare minimum to get by, and so I have a lot of friends that are like, "Oh, you know all this technology stuff," and I go, "I know the four things that I need to know to look like I know what I'm doing." So I, and nothing past that. They'll be like, "How do you do this?" And I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. "I'm not there yet." Um,
0: <laughs> Me too. I just figured out iMovie, and my friends were like, "That's embarrassing, Brittany. Like, don't tell people." And I was like, or I just never had didn't the patience it, for the attention span, so it. you could just hire like, somebody I'd...
1: for ten dollars." So that too, for me, I had to learn a bunch of stuff. I was getting really overwhelmed and I had to relearn what I always know, which is whatever you want to do, whether it's getting something done, doing something you don't really want to do, but it's important, learning a new skill, whatever it is, chunk it down to like stupid steps. Like, so if it's like, so what if it is you want to make a trailer for your podcast? All right. You, you would have to be like, okay, well, what, what do I need to use to make it? Do I need audio recording? Do I, need, you know what I mean? Like, do I need to use iMovie? What did I have? And then it's like, well, what parts of it do I have to, and you just keep chunking it down and chunking it down to like, today is I just need to download the app. And you know what I mean? Like, it sounds crazy, but if you look at my (laughs) to-do list, it looks like I'm talking to a baby about how to like eat. You're going to open the jar You're going to put, you're going to put the, you're going to put it over. You're going to get a spoon. Mm -hmm. You're going to not fill the whole spoon. You're going to do half the spoon because you know that if you have too much, it's going to go all over yourself. So it's almost the same way where I'm like, today we're going to download the app and then we're just going to play around with it. And the goal is just to learn how to split, split the track and delete it. You know what I mean? And like, and like, and really like break it down so that if a normal person, and this has to do, like, I'm dyslexic and, and, you know, I, I. In general, just take a lot longer to learn stuff. And I'm very visual and I have to kind of play around with stuff. But whatever it is you want to do in life or learn, I think a lot of times it's just like start stand up. And mm-hmm. that's just the most daunting, hugest step you could be. But like if I was talking to a young comic that one or a young person that wanted to start stand up, I'd be like, well, why don't you start with just looking if there's open mics in your area, just researching or watching stand up or watching yep. your ideas and just writing your ideas down. But like I would take everything that it really means to start stand up or to learn iMovie and chunk it down not to four steps, not to ten steps, but almost like twenty steps. So that you knock off the first three and you already feel accomplished. And and it just and then it also when you go mm-hmm. like let's say you don't do like you make the movie, but then you don't come back for six months and you forgot everything you've learned you don't have to go like oh I fucking forgot everything you could be like no let's go back to our list all right let's start with go back to the app yeah so and I have it like, all broken down. I think that's yeah. been the best thing for me is that and then what's also helpful about breaking it down is there's usually a tutorial that's like two minutes long for every one step as opposed to if you said how do I start doing stand-up that's such a huge question there's really nothing out there yeah but if you said how do Where I to do, begin? How do I perform yeah. live? Then you could look up how to perform live, and you're going to get a listing for a bunch of open mics, and then that already and that might even get chunked down to four extra steps. Yeah. So I would just say every goal that you have, everything you desire doing, figure out how to break it down into like the babyest of steps, and then start crossing them off.
0: I think that's awesome. Yeah, and I that's been super helpful for me as well too. I've started, um, yeah, bullet points underneath to-do list points like it would be like number one need to edit this video and then like a b c d what does that actually mean a download iMovie or whatever b yeah and um yeah it like I think it removes resistance and I think it's to your point about having it attaching it to bigger goals I this resonates with me too like I feel like I did that with stand-up like for so long doing comedy or trying to do comedy full-time you you look at the big dream, right? And the big goal. And like, that's great to have all those things. And that's great to let those things excite you. But of course, every day you're going to wake up and be like, well, wait, that's what yeah. I want. Oh God, that seems so far away. And then you're immediately <laughs> like, oh, well, fuck it, right? Oh, okay. I'm not going to get that done today, you know? And then it, another day goes by. Whereas it's like compartmentalizing it kind of sets you up for yes. success. Because then all of a sudden, you, you just have feel to that open an anymore. app right you know what i mean like it sounds
1: crazy but you've already done something
0: (laughs) i don't know about you guys but i'm kind of a mess when it comes to technology so anchor has saved my life this episode of bad women and all of the episodes of bad women are powered by anchor.fm Let me break this down for you. If you've got a mobile device that's an iPhone, an iPad, a tablet, a beeper, a pager, a Tamagotchi, a life alert monitor, whatever it is, you can record straight from there. You upload it, it's easier than ever to edit and produce, and then Anchor goes ahead and distributes this bad boy for you. That's right, it puts it out there on Apple, on Spotify, everywhere podcasts dwell, and the best part is you can even make money. Yes, money. You can make some serious green from recording with Anchor, and you don't even need any minimum listenership. So if you've got a dream to be a podcast host and producer, your friends are going to be like, oh God, not another one. But you know what? The world needs to hear what you have to say. So get up, get started on
1: anchor.fm, and make those dreams come true, baby. We're waiting. I'll tune in, I promise.